The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. But how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote, me, he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, Lord, uh, as a broken people, Lord, we are not perfect at all. But Father, we lift all of our imperfections to you. We lift our, all our lives to you. We lift everything up to you, Lord. Father, may uh, this Sunday be a time of rest and a time of uh, redemption and salvation in your name. Father, may we always be reminded that this is your church and this is your people. Father, may be reminded that we are here in this city to extend your grace and your love. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, well, good morning. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 5, verses 39 through 47. Thank you, Ryan, for reading. And uh, today we are starting a new series. Uh, this new series is called We Believe. And we're going to be going through this next month talking about simple things that we believe throughout Scripture about who Jesus is, what he came to do. And uh, today the message is uh, his word. We believe his word. I see there's an argument that's happening in this text today over who Jesus is and the words that he speaks and whether or not we can believe those words. You see, today what we're going to be talking about is truth and lies, searching and finding. Today the question is, what is the truth? Very often it's hard to pin down. You and I are constantly being bombarded with ideas that people want us to believe, right? I mean, th that's why we put out in front of our house no solicitors, because we don't want anybody to tell us this is what you need in your life. It's like, I, I really, already have what I need. I already grasped what I need, and so that's really what, what, what I've got right here, uh, and that's, that's what I need. See, one advertising firm says that we've gone from being exposed to about 500 advertisements per day back in the 70s to over 5,000 a day today. With so much advertising, what is the truth? And if you find the truth, would you believe it? Because what if that truth that you found out was very hard for you to believe? It would require you making some changes about what you already believe. Winston Churchill once said, Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing ever happened. 
me and my wife, we, we like to watch Netflix, and uh, recently we, I don't know what it is, but she's got this kick on those 30 for 30 uh, ESPN things, right? And so it's like different sports stories. Again, I don't know what the 30 for 30 is because I know they got like more than 30 of those things out there. But 30 for 30, we've been, we've been watching it, and, and one of the ones that uh, caught our eye uh, was on this guy, uh, uh, John DuPont. Uh, philanthropist, rich, um, from the DuPont family. And what he did was he started these different teams, right? And so he was supporting um, Olympic athletes, and he started the, uh, the training for the, the wrestlers that are out there. And everybody was really excited because he's pouring all of this money, investing all of his resources into helping the Olympic athletes that are on the wrestling team. And what that did was that, that helped them to get to a place where they were elite athletes, right? They were, they were training all the time. They had the, the resources they needed. Um, but one of the things that stuck out about John DuPont was just how weird he was, right? Very strange individual. And it was funny hearing these guys talking about him because nobody really wanted to confront him on some of the things that he was doing that was just a little out there, right? Like he would just one day... Just drive his car into the lake. They're like, yeah, he, he just would drive his car into the lake. You're like, oh, that's a little strange. Like somebody should talk to him about that. No one does. Um, he started, it was, it was kind of funny, but sad at the same time. He started a whole, like he was an older guy, started a whole wrestling tournament with older guys, brought them all in, paid them all off so he could win the tournament. And so he's at the end of this tournament getting his hand raised and all the people that were next to him were paid off so that he could win. Strange stuff, right? But what happened was it got to a very dangerous place where the lies and all of the, the, the things that he was believing actually started to hurt people. It started to get dangerous. See, the thing is, in our lives, the same thing happens. Why is hearing the truth so hard for us? Because there is at some level a place where we've got to get to where we, we, we will be confronted and we could possibly be wrong, found out, exposed. And that's scary. That's a scary thought to think, I was wrong the whole time. It was this imaginary tournament that I was the winner of, and I really wasn't the winner. I wasn't like I thought it was. See, in today's text, Jesus is pressing the Jewish leaders on some of their deepest held beliefs. He's exposing the truth. He is showing them areas where their lives are misaligned with what God intended. See, and Jesus' motivation for all of this was to lead them to the true and living God. He wanted them to see God for who he truly is, not for who they thought he was. Are you willing to allow your beliefs to be confronted by his word? And so our text today is from John 39 through 47. And just to give a little background on what's going on here, there is this debate the theological debate, a debate about God going on. 
and what's honoring to God and what's not honoring to God. And Jesus is revealing to these guys that he is God. They're standing face to face with God. And that they need to allow God at their deepest level to see that he needs to come in and show them that it's about loving God and loving other people that is really where God is trying to bring them. See, what do we learn about the truth of who God really is today in this text? And where do we look? Jesus points us to the scriptures. He points us to the Bible, what we call the Bible. Right, and so today, what are some things that we learn about the scriptures? And what does that have to do with the truth? He points to the scriptures in three ways. Here's the three, all up front. To search the scriptures, to let the scriptures search you, and to wrestle until you see him. So if you're taking notes, to search the scriptures, to let the scriptures search you, to wrestle until you see him. All right, so let's go through the first point, and we're going to start with the first one, search the scriptures. And so look at uh, verse 39 here. Here's, here's what it says. He says, you search the scriptures. So he's making this statement about who these guys were. This is a statement that was true. He says, you study. Now, you didn't have to tell the, the, the Pharisees, the, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, to study the scriptures. This is something that they did. And so Jesus Tells him, he's like, I see you studying. You diligently search the scriptures. But then we see something next. He says, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. See, the Jewish leaders were diligent about doing Bible studies. They were diligent about sitting around saying, here's what this says, and here's what Moses says, and, 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 and they're, they're wrapping their mind around this, and they're, they're telling people, this is what you should believe. But what was their motivation for all of this? You see, I, I want you to hear me today on this. Jesus isn't just after your behavior. He's after your motivations. Why do you do what you do? You see, on the outside, everything can look really good. For the Pharisees, people would look at them and say, wow, well, they're studying the scriptures. They know what the scriptures say. But what does it look like in their hearts? What's the reason? What Jesus says in here, it says, in them, you think that you have life. If I, if I just know the words on this page, then, and I memorize them enough, then God will love me. God will accept me. See, their motive was they thought they could have eternal life if they studied enough. That was their belief, deep down. D.A. Carson says about this verse, he says, Jesus points out that their primary motivation in such diligent study was hope of final acceptance by God. You know, when I first started going to church, I thought, that's what this is. Like, I would just come, I would know about, enough about the Bible, and then maybe God would accept me someday in heaven. But what I didn't realize is that God himself came to me. He loved me. He died for me. And he was looking for a relationship more than just a memorization quiz. The Pharisees needed to hear this truth. It was a deeply embedded truth into 
who they were. But they needed to know that it was about a relationship with God. See, what's the truth about you? Do you diligently search the scriptures? Do you believe that you're earning something from God when you do your quiet time? Do you believe that you're better than others because you know more than everybody else? See, Jesus is getting something here. He's getting after something here that's very deeply embedded in all of us. We all have this thing in us that wants to puff up with knowledge instead of being transformed by him. We want to play the comparison game. But today, Jesus is saying that's not what this is about. Jesus is pointing something they were missing and it was difficult for them to receive. There was a huge disconnect. See, what God really wanted was not for them to diligently just search the scriptures. That is good. It's good to do that, but he wanted the scriptures to search them. He wanted the scriptures to search their hearts. To do a survey of who they are. See, that's the second point. Let the scriptures search you. Look at verses 42 and 43. Here's what it says. He says, But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. You see, Jesus right here is uncovering a truth, a deep-rooted truth within them that needs to be exposed. Flannery O'Connor says, the truth does not change according to our ability to stomach it. And what Jesus is confronting them with is their hearts. Their hearts were not in the right place. They were believing some things, and they thought, if I just believe the right things, then it really doesn't matter of what my heart looks like. But isn't that the biggest thing about Christianity today? Is that if we think we have the right belief system, but we don't treat our neighbor with love and care, and even though they don't believe the same things as us, then we're good? Right? Jesus is after something deeper here. And the truth doesn't change whether or not we can stomach it. The scriptures will grapple with you on what you believe. As the Jewish leaders were being searched by the living word himself, right? Remember we talked about this in John chapter 1. It says that Jesus is the word. As they are standing before the word, the author the perfecter of our faith, right? They're standing before him. They're being searched by him. What Jesus says is he says, you know the scriptures, but you have no love. You don't love God. That's a little hard to stomach when you've got all of the robes and all of the things that tell you that these are the people who are supposed to love God. But you don't. That's hard for them to stomach. See, Jesus, he says that they don't have the love of God in them. And about this verse, uh, one commentator says this. He says, God's revelation of himself, his word found no home in them. It's like, you know, going over again and again and again. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. Like somebody hearing the word of God continually and just finding no place in, in there. 
See, that's the hardest thing for me, even as a, as a pastor, right? Like my kids are growing up in the church and, and all of that, and, and that's the hardest thing. It's like my prayer is that my kids, that, that when they hear God's word, when they, they see Jesus, that Jesus will find a home in their heart, in their life. See, that's something that, that's between them and God. And I can't do that. But I pray for it. See, because they're around it all the time. I mean, it's funny. They're like, my, my kids are always talking about Grace City. They love Grace City. Right? But I want them to love God. I want them to love Him. Do you naturally love God and receive Him like you should? Here's the truth. I don't. I don't. On a daily basis, it's, it's a battle. I need God's help. See, because as the word of God starts to pour over you, as the truth starts to come out, you start to find out, I'm not as good of a person as I thought I was. I'm not as far along in my Christian walk as I thought I was. God, I need your help. See, as the scriptures pour over us and search us, it reveals that we are not who we were intended to be or should be. If you start reading this and you start finding, man, I'm not like that. I'm not like I, I should be. That's the point. The point is to point us to God. There's a book that came out by a secular philosopher. His name is Jacob Needleman. And uh, he wrote this book, he says, it's called Why We Can't Be Good. Uh, and um, this is his thesis that he wrote, writes in the book. He's a, he's a teacher at uh, San Francisco State. And he says this, everyone is writing books on how we should live. Everyone knows how we should live. No one has the strength to do it. It is the biggest mystery of the human race. It's impossible Here's the truth. As, you, as the scriptures start to search your life, your heart, and they are pouring over these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, Jesus exposing that they're not who they should be. They don't have the love of God in them like they should. But as those things are exposed, what happens is you can either say, yep, you're right, Jesus, or you can say, no, you're not right. But as we start to say, Yes, you're right, God. I'm not who I need to be. And even secular philosophers are writing about it. Why can't we be good? You know that the bookshelves are filled with so much self-help stuff out there, how you can improve yourself. Why is there so many that are out there, yet we are so still messed up, right? Like, with so many books, we should be a lot further along than we are. The truth is, we need God. We need him at the very core of who we are. The truth is, I can't do it, and you can't either. Why? Because we need a heart change. The truth is, we need a heart change. You know, the the thing that they set their hope on, you see it in um, verse 46. He says, for if you believed Moses. So he's pointing out Moses, like the Jewish leaders would lift up Moses, say the teachings of Moses. Think about the teachings of Moses for a second. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, you know, uh, Moses at the end of his life, 
He's handing over the Israelites off to a new leader. He'd entered into um, a covenant relationship with God and the people of God on Mount Sinai. There's this renewal of the covenant as Moses is about to die. And um, he gives this sermon series, basically, in, in chapters 27 and 28. And he starts talking about the blessings and the curses. And uh, basically, Moses is, is preaching here. And uh, do you know what he's preaching? He's preaching, this is who you are. This is the blessed people that you are. And then he goes on and he says, here's all the things you need to do. And then at the end of his sermon series, he says, you can't do it. I don't know about you, but motivational speakers, like you're going to a motivational speak, uh, speaker and you're listening to their speech and they're, they're pumping you up and saying, Okay, here's what you're not doing right now, and here's what you need to do, and here's how you can do it, right? And they're like, just trying to get you all pumped up, like, yes! Moses does the opposite. Here's what, who you are, what you need, here's what you need to do, and you can't do it. Okay, so how does that work? God. <laughs> the only answer is God. He's the only one who can do it in your life and in my life. And see, um, this might be new information for us today. We're like, well, I, I've been trying my whole life. And I, I guess the question is, like, how is that working? Because I try my whole life too. And the only progress that I've ever made in my life is because of Jesus. That's it. See, but it's as the scriptures start to pour over us, as the scriptures start to show us and reveal these things in our lives, we start to say, oh, wow. I'm a lot more self-reliant than I thought I was. Because God's intention is that we are God-reliant. Reliant on Him. And as you're relying on him, it's not, oh, well, you know, things aren't going to change and I'm not going to be a different person. But as you start to rely on him, you start to change. You start to see a difference in your life. It's what God does. I love this quote from Timothy Keller. He says, the word of God brings you new information. It argues with you. It changes your understanding of your condition. Right? Like, we're not born good, but we were born in sin. Changes the idea of my condition. Okay, well, I'm born dead, but through Christ I can come alive. If you have a God in a Bible that only ever sues you, that never comes and says, this relationship is wrong, this attitude is wrong, this practice is wrong. If you don't have a Bible that comes and argues with you, a God who can red pencil your life, you don't have a real God. What? the Pharisees are finding is that the real God is staying in front of them and saying, hey, I have a different intention for your life. And it's as the scriptures start to search us that we find that. But don't give up there. The, the third is we need to wrestle with it. Wrestle until you see him. Because if you don't do this part, you're going to be really discouraged. You're going to be like, well, how am I going to do this? And you're going to be in the same spot again. 
And so as the truth starts to come in, as God starts to reveal some things in our hearts and our lives, you've got to wrestle until you see him. And so look at uh, verse 40. It says that, he says, Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And right before that he says, um, It is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Do you want to know what this is about? Do you want to know what the Bible is about? Do you want to know what the scriptures are about? They're about Jesus. Like for many of us, we, we come to it and we think, well, this is just, is this another, is this another self-help book? It's not. It's when we come to this, we start to wrestle and we start to see Jesus all over this. We start to see him in every page. We start to see his life and what he's done for us. You see, when you're talking about literature, uh, one thing that Kurt Vonnegut said, which is really funny, he says, you know, do you realize that all great literature is all about what a bummer it is to be a human being? Isn't it such a relief to have somebody say that? It's funny because as you, even in the greatest literature, it's just like, man, this life is really a bummer. But here's the difference between the the scriptures and any other great literature. When you start to wrestle with the scriptures, you start to see Jesus, and it's not a bummer. It's like the most life-giving thing that you could have. Because you start to wrestle with it, and you start to see that God's not asking you to try and live a better life. He's saying, give your life to me, and I'll make it better than you could have ever thought. It's not going to be perfect or it's not going to have all the answers, but I'm with you. I'm with you in it. I'm wrestling with you through it. You, are, you, you have somebody that's walking through it with you. See, it offers hope. It offers hope. In verse 40, when Jesus says, you refuse to come to me, do you see what he's saying? He's saying, you, you've got all of these Bible studies, these lessons, these things you're going through, and you refuse a relationship. You're refusing to come to me. That's the whole point. That when we read this, it's seeing him, it's coming to him. See, our scripture reading is meant to lead to Jesus. But we must wrestle with the text. Here's just a little helpful thing. There's something, the, 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 the way that the, the Greek language is written is written in different voices, right? And so you've got the indicative voice and the imperative voice. Imperative voices are more like commands, you know, like, go do this. The indicative voice is what's been done. And what we do a lot of the time, and this is where I want you to see that Jesus is with you is we try to take the commands and the imperatives without the indicative. Do you know that Jesus is in every indicative when he says, I've done it for you? I've I've given you the strength that you need? I'm with you every step of the way? See, if I take a bunch of commands and I run off with those, I'm going to be very discouraged. But when I come with knowing the indicative voice of saying, okay, here's the power that I have in Christ to accomplish this, that's a lot more encouraging. 
but it takes some wrestling with the scriptures to see it. Because what we see a lot of the times is the Ten Commandments, right? When we're talking about the Moses, I mean the teaching of Moses, we see the Ten Commandments. But what we don't see is that God first saved them out of Egypt. He did it. He saved them into a new life. Yeah, there's some things we got to do. There's some work to be done. But first, I need to, I'm the one who saves you out of this. That's the done part. That's what God does. And so as you start to wrestle with the scriptures, you start to see that, oh, whoa, Jesus saved me, and now I can go do things in his name. Right? See, at the end of Deuteronomy, some scholars, they don't want to believe that this was the same person who wrote this text. It's like, how could there be, like, blessings, and all of a sudden he's talking about curses, and then he's talking about you can't do it. There's a tension in those verses. See, the tension is this. God is holy. He is a holy God. He commands holiness from us. He says, be holy as I am holy. Yet, on the other end, he is very gracious and forgiving and kind. You're like, how does that work together? Okay, you just told me that you're like a holy God and there's like all these curses that come along with the blessings. But then it's like, you're so gracious and kind and forgiving. How is this? See, why is it that God must punish every sin? Because he's so good. He's so good. See, and what the Pharisees wanted is they just wanted the law. They wanted this God that they could attain his approval by working enough and doing enough. See, that's what they wanted. But they missed the other side that right in front of them is what it says in John chapter 1 is grace upon grace that's standing right in front of them. See, that's why Jesus, like, why is it that God wants to forgive sinful people? Because he's good. How is that possible? Because it says in Romans 3.26 that he is just and the justifier. God is, Jesus is just. He is a good judge. But he's also the justifier. He's made it possible. He's the one that, that pounds the gavel and says free. Right? You got to wrestle with that. You got to wrestle with it until you see him. He's the good news. See, the answer is that, that we can't do it, but God must do it for us. Every other religion and philosophy says that you have to do something to connect with God. But Christianity says no. Jesus Christ did everything to connect with you. Every other religion says, here are the answers to life's biggest questions. But Jesus says, I'm the only answer you need. Come to me. The point of the scriptures is to lead us to Jesus. See his care. See his patience. See his kindness towards you. See his grace. Wrestle with the text. Wrestle with the truth about who you are and see that you need him. And so some takeaways for today that can help us to apply the power of his word to our hearts. The first one is this. Speak the word. Speak the word. Here's what I mean by that. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
You're going to read this, and it's going to pierce you right here. There there are some of us who have opened up. I, I have days like this where I just open up, and I just start reading. I'm like, that's exactly what I need to hear. Now, I'm not the guy who's like, uh, you know, I'm not one of those. But, you know, it's, I've had days where I've opened up, and it's just like, that's exactly what I need to hear. What I want you to hear today is this, that the Word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is powerful. You know, a week and a half ago, I was uh, sitting with my daughter. We were, I was putting her down to bed. Uh, her name's Elle. And she's four years old right now. And it's so cool just because she's like starting all these little conversations with me. And, and so I'm reading her a Bible passage. And uh, this Bible passage is really simple. Just talking about um, in Luke 15, you know, when there's a celebration that happens in heaven. When there's one sinner that comes to repentance. Where there's one that, that says, I need God in my life, right? There's like this huge celebration that happens. And so I'm reading this Bible passage with her. And I said, honey, do you know what this means? I said, no. Or she said, no. I said, what this means is that when somebody turns away from their their life and says, it's not about me anymore, and they say, I want God to be in my life. I want God. I love God. That there is a party that happens in heaven. And she looks at me, and she's like, I love God. And I'm like, that's awesome. There is a party happening right now because you love God. Parents, if we're not sitting with our kids, opening up the word of God, speaking into their lives and explaining it to them, we're missing out on the power that's right here. Because in that moment, it's not only me who's going to remember that, it's going to be my, my daughter. In those little moments where she's able to ask me questions. She goes, I don't know all the answers. But I know that there's power in God's word and that when Hebrews 4.12 says that it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it's true. It pierces our hearts. And so share it with your children. Encourage your spouse with it. When was the last time that you encouraged your spouse with a Bible scripture? That could be the thing that changes their day. That could be the thing that they needed to hear at that particular moment. When was the last time you texted it to a friend? Or you received a a text message from a friend, just a simple Bible scripture? These are things that we can speak the word because there's power in God's word. I got a text message this past week from a friend. He just said, I just want to send this scripture out to all my friends and just say, how can I be praying for you? And that's powerful, right? I'm just like, dude, way to go. That's awesome. Thank you for this scripture today. I needed to hear this. Guys, we have have the ability to do that, and you can speak the word of God into each other's lives. Another takeaway for for today is this. Ask for help. Ask for help. I want to make this clear. We we, we do not naturally have a passion for the word of God. Like, I don't, right? Like, within myself, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to read and all this stuff. Like, 
Here's the thing for me. I ask God, I say, God, give me a passion for your word and a love for your word like I should. There are people who are passionate about studying, right? Like the Pharisees were passionate about studying the word, but they weren't passionate about the God that was behind the word of God. See, and, and that's the thing that we gotta ask for. We gotta ask for help and say, okay, my motives are skewed, I'm sinful. Lord, help me today to take this in and to soak it in. Get a translation that you can understand, right? And so there's some of us that have translations that, like, I don't, I don't know when this is written, like, this is in the 1600s, right? And so I can't understand what's going on here. And so get a, get a translation that you understand that, that can help you to, to, to start to grow in your passion. Ask for help from other people. Maybe there's some uh, people that are in your life that God has placed in your life that have been Christians for a long time that you can go to and say, hey, could, could you help me just walk through some of these basic ideas of, of Christianity and what it means to, to break down the word and even read through a, a text? Like, where should I start? It was cool. I, I mean, when, when Oliver... Um, he was baptized a, a few months ago. When Oliver started coming, one of the things he did was he, he, he asked me, he's like, Randall, where do I start reading in the scriptures? And so I just gave him a book. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll read through uh, James and read through Mark and read through the Psalms. This dude like flew through all of it, right? He's just soaking it in and, and he's like, what do I need to read next? What do I need to read next? Maybe it's just asking somebody and saying, hey, what, what, what should I read? Where do I go? Where do I start? Another thing as far as asking for help is study with others. Gather some people around you and say, hey, can we just start a Bible study on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whatever? Virtual, I don't know. You know, you've got all this stuff that's at our fingertips today that you can use. But don't get to the place where the Pharisees got and they're just like, well, we already know it all. I got this. We figured this out. Ask for help. The third is, a transformation is better than knowledge. The intention of Scripture is to pierce the heart, change us, convict us. I love this quote from John Mark Comer. He says, if the Bible doesn't offend you occasionally, you're not reading it correctly. There will be times where it, it will offend you, and you're like, I, I, that's hard for me right now to take in. But, we have a God who understands us, like we talked about la last uh, month. You know, we talked about uh, with prayer. You can be honest in your prayers. You can talk to him and be very honest with that. And, and we have a God who understands desperate language and desperate people. And so he can filter through some of the things that are going on in our heart and mind. Uh, same thing with Scripture. God will send the, the, the right scripture at your, at your heart at the right time and, and it's meant to challenge us, change us. And uh, the fourth one is this. Um, very simple, Jesus first. You and I need the gospel before we need another directive. Before we need another command, right? Like, oh, I gotta go do this. No, you, we need Jesus first. Uh, Martin Luther says, he says, the commands exist to show not our moral ability, but our inability. This includes God's command of all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. An impossible act of will apart from the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit uniting us to Christ. Guys, we need 
The Holy Spirit, we need God. When we come to the Word of God, we need to come in prayer and just saying, God, help me to understand this. Help me to see Jesus today. Right, like, it should show, like, our inability and point us that, oh, man, I really need Jesus. Jesus first. It's Him. See, what's going to settle your heart is the good news that He loves you. He cares for you. He's with you. Are you looking to something other than Jesus first? Because there's nothing else. Uh, just some quick, quick tips um, as you're reading Scripture. Um, one is... Get a Bible you're excited about. Get a Bible that you are excited about that you're like, man, I I can't wait to open this up and study. Okay, and so on Amazon, there's plenty of different Bibles. Find the one that's right for you. Go on there. Um, One thing I've done is get some good highlighters and pens. I don't know why, but I just get excited when I have new highlighters and pens. I'm just like, all right, cool, got to use them. Got to get them, put them to work. You know, and so why not here, like, in the scriptures, it, it's okay to, to mark this up and, and to put notes and all of that and study. Um, and, and find a time that works best and stick to it. Say, okay, this is when I think, you know, pretty clearly in the morning, um, you know, so I'll study it this time. And set it on, a, an alarm for it. But man, just see Jesus because that's the intention. Um, Here's the good news this morning. How, how can we face the truth? How can we face the truth about ourselves? How can we face the truth of what God demands and asks of us? Confess we need Jesus. Um, Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, as Moses is ending his life, he says this. Uh, for this command that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that you may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Do you know how you do it? Do you know how you live this out? Jesus. Because Paul interprets it in Romans 10, uh, 8 through 9, as he's talking about this particular verse, not apart from this, but actually from this verse, he says, what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In your daily life, how are you saved from the temptations that you face on a daily basis when you know that you should do something else? Confess you need Jesus. (laughs) How do you you go out through your daily life and and saying, okay, God, like, I don't know what's going to face me today. I'm really scared and nervous. You confess you need Jesus. See, there is only one hero in Scripture, and his name is Jesus. And the gospel is the only word that won't crush you. Only the gospel can free you. And today, find freedom in the truth of his word. And his word is spoken, that he's with you, he loves you, he cares for you. Come to him. Let's pray. 
Father, help us to believe. Help us to believe your word. Help us to believe your truth. Help us to believe who you are, who you say you are. Uh, Very often we try to do it on our own. We try to do it on our own strength, our own ability. Help us not to live in a dream world, Lord, but to come into the reality of a God-centered world where you're at the center and you give us the strength to live out life in this really crazy time. Um, So whatever anyone's going through, Lord, I just pray that today you apply this to, to our hearts. Help us to live it out and walk it out in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.